You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. You're listening to the Producer's Perspective Podcast with your host, Tony Award winner, Ken Davenport. Hey, here's a tip for you. If you have a show in New York and you're selling tickets at the TKTS booth, then you want to hire the right promotional team surrounding those customers at the booth to give them information about your show. Uh, There's a brand new crew in town called, well, the Broadway Crew. Uh, They're your sales team out there on the front lines, engaging with your customers face-to-face every single day. Uh, Their members are trained to sell and present a cohesive professional image for your brand. Uh, That's why they've been able to increase TKTS sales for Broadway and off-Broadway clients by up to 25%. That's a huge amount of money. Uh, If you want to increase your revenue at TKTS, give Broadway Crew a call. Check them out at broadwaycrew.com. That's broadwaycrew.com. And make sure you let them know that you heard about them through the Producers Perspective podcast. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Ken Davenport. This is the Producer's Perspective Podcast, and I'm very excited to have as my guest today the writer that everyone in New York City is talking about, <laughs> Mr. Joe Iconis. Welcome, Joe. Hey, thank you. So unless you've been living under a rock somewhere, the reason everyone's talking about Joe these days is, of course, the musical Be More Chill, which took the internet by storm and took off-Broadway by storm. Uh, This past summer, it's on its way to Broadway uh, in what I'm calling the first musical to be moved by social media. But Joe's been on the scene here for New York uh, in New York for many years. He's a Jonathan Larson Award winner. He's a Kleban Award winner. He's been called the future of the American musical theater, written a, written a bunch of musicals, Black Suits, Things to Ruin, Blood Song of Love, many more. Uh, and I've been a fan for a long time, so I'm thrilled that Be More Chill is happening for him. So, Joe... Yeah. You're a part of the millennial generation of musical theater writers. So I guess my first question to you as a millennial is mm-hmm. why musicals? Of all the things you could write and all the mm-hmm. things you could do, mm-hmm. why did you choose musicals? I, you know, I just have always had such a deep, insane love of musical theater. Um, you know, I uh, as much as I I might be, you know, branded a, a millennial or sort of like uh, you know contemporary musical theater writer I'm I'm super traditional insofar as like you know the my the, the my my uh, the shows that I that I love and the the kind of writer I want to be you know I feel like it's like a very sort of old school thing 
And so for me, you know, I've um, uh, the first show that I ever saw was Little Shop of Horrors. I saw the original production of the Orpheum, uh, September twenty seventh, nineteen eighty seven, and it just immediately uh, it, it like injected this love of musical theater into my soul in a very crazy way. And you know, one of my family is in theater or the arts in any way, and. Um, and so I just, I, I, I found the art sort of through musical theater. And, and to me, it's always been just the, the best way to tell a story. You know, I just love what happens when you, you know, combine drama and, and music and you put it in a room with a whole bunch of people uh, all having the same shared experience, you know. Um, so it just feels like, you know, of, of course musicals. I wouldn't know how else to tell a story. How old were you when you saw Little Shop? I was six years old. It was for my sixth birthday. My birthday is September 22nd, and so my dad took me uh, for my sixth birthday, and it was right uh, right at the end of the run. Little Shop closed in November of 87, and the movie had already come out, and so I'd seen the movie, and I was obsessed with it, and literally saw a commercial uh, for the stage show, and I was like, oh, that's that movie that I like. This is live on stage. I would like to see that, please. You know, and I had seen, like, you know, Sesame Street Live and like that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, and so I went as a six-year-old and it was crazy because I was like a very shy kid. You know, I was very shy and like really easily scared and I was like a kid who would, you know, cry at, at just everything, right? And uh, and the original production of Little Shop is like fairly gritty and, you know, Little Shop uh, in and of itself, everyone dies and there's, you know, people get eaten. Uh, but I loved it. Like I didn't find it scary at all. I totally just responded to it. And so, um, yeah, and so that was my first, my first uh, exposure to actual musical theater. You mentioned some of the other musicals you love. So give, mm-hmm. us, give us some examples of things that you hold in high regard that inspired you. Oh, my goodness. So many. I love, um, you know, I'm like a huge Sondheim guy. And so I love Follies a lot. That's probably my favorite Sondheim if I have to choose one. But I also love Assassins. I love Company. Uh, I love Into the Woods. I love um, Cabaret. That's probably my favorite musical of all time. I love Kendra Neb a lot as well. Um, what else? I like Frank Lesser. Like How to Succeed in Business is, uh, is a biggie for me. That's a great musical. I like uh, Carol Hall a lot. I like uh, Whorehouse as a musical. Um, I like Hedwig. Pump Boys and Dinette, so many. I love musicals. And when you were six and saw Little Shop, were you mm-hmm. a musician yet? Or when did that come into play? No, that would be so impressive if I was a six-year-old. <laughs> it's like playing instruments. Um, I, uh, so I, so I, I started with the love of musical theater. And then separate from that, my family had a piano that was sort of given, it was given to my mom by my grandparents when she was a kid. They just bought a piano because um, they were living on Long Island in the 60s, and it's like you have this house in the suburbs, and so you buy a piano for the house. And so they had this house, and so then when my um, my parents had me, and then, you know, it moved, uh, my grandparents gave us this piano. And uh, because of that, my mom, uh, you know, thought, oh, you should take piano lessons because she could never play. No one in my family has any musical talent at all. And so they sort of forced me into, you know, piano lessons, and I was doing that and wasn't really, you know, liking it or wasn't showing any particular skill. And, and um, when I was around like eight, maybe nine, uh, the more I started getting into theater and musicals, uh, I started going to see shows and then going home and like plunking out melodies that I had heard at the piano. And so I sort of came to music through theater. And then, uh, you know, by the time I was in like middle school, you know, around like 11 or 12, I was uh, a really amazing pianist as a little kid. And so I was like one of those kids um, who, you know, could sit down at the piano and just like play for hours and hours and hours. And because my love was theater, I knew all of these old, you know, like show tunes and I could play all this like Gershwin stuff, but I could play the Gershwin stuff only because of Crazy For You, you know, so like all of my, all of my musical uh, knowledge was very much filtered through musical theater, um, but that's how I kind of came to it, you know, and so when I, uh, when I became old enough to realize or understand that there were people who wrote the musicals, uh, that's what I wanted to do immediately, and so I've, 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 I've said you know since i was probably around you know 11 or 12 um the like what do you want to be when you grow up uh question was always answered with i want to be a broadway composer do you remember the first song you wrote 
Uh, yeah, for sure. The first, so I, I would write, uh, I would write melodies. I never wrote lyrics really. I would just write melodies and I would always write melodies to songs that were, uh, musical theater, imagine musical theater moments, uh, from movies that I loved because I was a big movie kid too. So I would write like a ballad for who framed Roger Rabbit, but it would just be the music, like never a lyric, sometimes a title. And then the first song that I ever wrote music and lyrics for, uh, was a song, uh, that was for this community theater production that I was a part of, and it was a review. And uh, we needed a, they needed a song. Um, they needed a song that was like a, a, a TV uh, uh, theme song. Uh, and so I wrote this song called The Money Is Yours. And uh, the first time it was performed, somebody in the audience uh, had a heart attack and later died. And so it's... Just like positive some feedback for you. It's yeah, or like just feedback. Just very extreme feedback. I feel like audience audience reactions to my work have been extreme ever since. <laughs> um so yeah, that was the first like proper song I wrote. But there's uh, there's actually a, a a cool uh video of me when I was uh in elementary school and I made up the song called Mothers Are Special When You're Sad. And uh, and the the lyrics were uh, exclusively "Mothers are special when you're sad" repeated sixteen times. It's a four verse song, uh, and I I was afraid to sing it myself, and so I had a hand puppet that uh, I hid under a table, and the hand puppet sang it on top of the table. And so I guess that was like my first first. But the money is yours. Is first one that killed. <laughs> <laughs> So everyone's path to writing in New York City seems to be very different. Mm -hmm. So how do you go from that to getting started here? Like, mm -hmm. how did you start to make a name for yourself here in the city? I started, uh, I, 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 my path uh, sort of, I, my, my life in the city was kickstarted through NYU. So I went to NYU undergrad uh, in the music composition department and when I got towards the end of my undergrad time, uh, I was pretty clueless insofar as like how one would go about uh, infiltrating the musical theater scene, you know, and I was also very different at the time. I was uh, pretty reserved. Uh, the idea of like sort of putting myself out there in the way that, uh, that you have to put yourself out there was very terrifying to me. And so... Uh, grad school was like a great way for me at first to be like, oh, I'm going to like hold off uh, the reality of jumping into my life and like actually try to learn some stuff. And so I went to, uh, I went right on to the NYU grad musical theater writing program. And uh, through, through that, I met so many amazing writers like, uh, you know, William Finn and Michael John Lacusa and all these people and that sort of gave me a sort of a more of an understanding of like the business of things and the actual uh, community of, of theater. And um, yeah, and so I made, you know, I, I met people through that program uh, it, it, and I met enough people that allowed me to, uh, when I, you know, graduated to actually have some connections and have some people to go to and and um, you know, talk to you about my my work and stuff. But if I didn't go to that program, I don't know. I don't know what I would have uh, what I would have done. You know, because also being in that program, it was such an amazing learning experience, and it sort of taught me how to collaborate and taught me how to um, you know be a be a, a just a, a a man living <laughs> today. You know, I feel like I grew a lot like as a human during grad school. So. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of the thing that, that gave me the tools to be out in the world. And what was the first musical you wrote? The first musical I wrote was Black Suits, which uh, was my thesis musical at NYU. And uh, so that was another thing where I sort of, I, I graduated with this musical that, um, that people kind of knew even before I, I graduated, just because of, you know, the sorts of people who travel through the NYU program. Uh, at the time when I wrote Black Suits, it was you know before Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening was being developed, but Spring Awakening didn't come out until the next, uh, I think, t uh, at least a year after I graduated. I graduated in 2005, so I think Spring Awakening was like 2006, 2007. And so at the time, there just wasn't a lot of you know rock-based musicals about young people, and, and there weren't a lot of musicals that had the sound that mine did, and so it was like immediately a very sort of sparkly show for people. Uh, and so that was another thing that was pretty wild to be able to go out into the world with this, this musical that people kind of knew before they even knew who I was. 
you know, and it's um, and like you know industry readings that I did of the black suits in two thousand and eight. I feel like I've I've yet to have readings where there's been that 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 level of industry person. You know, it was this crazy thing where I feel like people were like coming to see this show uh, just because they had heard about the show as opposed to like checking out my work. Um, you know, and then that show uh, didn't end up happening in the way that I thought it was going to, and so it ended up being this kind of strange thing where so many people were exposed to me through that show, which then ended up not not um, playing in New York. Yeah, was that dis- how, so? How dis- obviously it was disappointing to you. How do you come back from that of being having a reading attended by someone? <laughs> I remember news about this. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. You probably think, oh, here we go. This is how it happens. I go to NYU. It's going to Broadway. Man, yeah, like yes is the answer. I thought that it 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 was so everything was so positive. The momentum was so positive. Like from when I was grad graduating grad school, you know, like I really felt like, oh yeah, Black Suits is going to open off Broadway. It's going to be like this big, you know, sort of like watershed moment. Everyone's going to be like, oh, there hasn't been a musical like this since Hair or Rent or I don't know what. And it's going to go to Broadway, and like I'm set, I did it, and you know it didn't it didn't happen, which is fine, but it was definitely it was definitely confusing and definitely like oh this is this is not it it I mean there's no rules anyway, and so part of it was kind of you know I don't want to say liberating, but it was sort of it wasn't like oh I you know I um I was going after this you know this job that then I didn't get it, you know, it, it, it was strange, nothing but strange. But I will say that the, the Black Suits development process was the thing that was the most eye-opening for me because I really did not fully grasp how long it takes for musicals, even musicals that, uh, you know, everyone was really excited about and felt very, like, you know, sparkly and buzzy and all that. It just takes so long for the things to get on a stage. And so, um, you know, over, like, my first... The, 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 my first year out of school when I was you know uh, in development with black suits I I realized like oh this is the, the timeline of this thing is going to be a little more protracted than I initially anticipated and so I immediately felt like well I want to do shows because I've in addition to you know the material I wrote for black suits I also I, I was writing these standalone songs that were theater songs but I knew they were sort of like self-contained theater songs and I felt like I have so many of these songs I want to do them. I want to, you know, and I, I, I wanted to, to be in musical theater because I wanted to do musicals. And so like, let's, you know, I have these songs, there's got to be a stage. So let's like do the, do a show. And so I, you know, I very, very soon out of school, I started doing these concerts, um, which then became the things that, that sort of introduced my work to uh, a much larger number of people than, than uh, certainly than black suits, you know, um, and so I had this other outlet, you know, on that and doing these, you know, these concerts and sort of doing these theatrical, um, you know, endeavors on my own uh, or, you know, with groups of people that I was, you know, uh, sort of getting behind. That was the thing that kind of allowed me to continue on. It wasn't like I just sort of had this one musical and it, it fizzled out and that was that. Uh, I had this whole other body of work, which then led to, uh, you know, all of the other stuff that I've done since. Yeah, it's one of the smartest things, I think, as I've watched your career that you've done and having attended a, a concerts of yours. Mm-hmm. And obviously it markets yourself. Yeah. And two, it gives you as a writer just a quick win because you're right. These musicals, yeah. you could have locked yourself away and spend another three, four years writing a musical. Mm-hmm. and then, But this way you get your work out there, you get a positive affirmation, you get applause, you get all that stuff. Yeah, that yeah, fuels yeah. fuels your tank to keep going. Yeah, you know, and, and for me... I, uh, when I first started doing the shows, it was like, I, um, there wasn't, when I first started doing them, there wasn't like a huge musical theater concert scene, you know, certainly, uh, writers, you know, had done, uh, you know, nights of their work, but the ones that I had seen always kind of felt like, uh, like recitals or something, you know, like, which are great, but I, I always felt like, oh, I want to do something different. I want something like that could be a, uh, can be a, 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 a live experience, um, that is not is not just a and not like a sung resume or something you know or it's not an audition it's just it's a it's a, a, a someone can go there and have a fulfilled you know uh, theatrical experience and so I um, uh, I always approach them just saying I want to just put on a good show and I want it to feel like itself and I want it to be you know specific and um, and I think that's the thing also that sort of allowed me to like keep going with them and 
um, you know, the whole sort of like Iconison family thing is sort of born out of that, about it being like this this event and this uh, this this um, this performance that is uh, that in and of itself is a a fully uh, a satisfying you know evening. It's not like a, a you know a, a, a taste of something else or a, you know a, 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 like a, a teaser or something. It's its own thing. Yeah, let's talk about this family a bit because one of mm-hmm. the things that I love about you and your shows is that you have this group of performers mm-hmm. that you seem, your crew, if you will, that you mm-hmm. seem to take to your concerts, your shows, etc. And they're all very unique. Tell me about how you found this group, why they're important to you, mm-hmm. why they keep coming along. And mm-hmm. Are they your muse? I mean, what, yeah. how do they... It, uh, what role do they play in your writing process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of all of the above. You know, I um, the initial impulse to to do something like this really just came from um, the the sort of art that I've always responded to, and so I'm um, I've always loved the idea of a of a rep company. I've always loved the idea of a troupe of you know actors performers. Uh, who are all together and you know one night uh you know they do uncle vanya and the next night they do damn yankees and like i just always love that sort of idea of like these you know like a, a band of artists who are all each doing different things and um and each have different roles and it changes all the time and and uh and i uh my you know sort of my favorite artists i had to pick one ever is robert altman uh, a, a movie director and robert altman uh had a similar sort of thing where he used a lot of the same people uh you know, actors, but also people behind the scenes, and and you know, as a as an impressionable uh, budding artist, that was always something that I just thought was so cool, and I loved his his movies so much, and I felt and I understood um, why there was worth in that, and sort of creating this this um, this family of, of artists, and so uh, when I you know first started doing shows, it really it happened very organically, where it was just like I would see actors and. And um, I would see actors that I would, would love, and I would contact them and ask them if they wanted to do a show, and then I'd ask them if they wanted to do another, and then it sort of became this, you know, band of people. And um, for me, it was really like, you know, early on when I was doing it, there was always the pressure of like, um, you know, uh, quote unquote, like recasting for one reason or another. Even in concerts, you know, I do concerts, and like sometimes the venue would be like, hey, can you, you know, throw some, some um, again, quote unquote, Broadway people in here, you know? And I, I, I would always feel like, why? Like, I just don't, if there was like really a great reason, you know, if it was like, oh, um, you know, Hugh Jackman or whoever like the Hugh Jackman of 2008 was, um, uh, you know, wants to like be in your concert, uh, then I'd be like, okay, maybe, but it's like, it's that, it's the silly thing where it's like, there's no real reason for it. And so, um, and so I just, I, I just started using, uh, I, I developed this, this, this troupe, you know, and, and it, it, what's so funny about it is that now so many people are talking to me about it and obviously in Be More Chill, Be More Chill is populated again, like on stage and behind the scenes with so many artists who I've worked with for such a long time, you know, some like as long as I've been doing this. Um, Jason Sweetie Williams was in, I met him through the Black Suits, you know, and so like all of these people I've been working with for so many years. And everyone is so uh, positive about it. But for so many years, I constantly had to talk about how, like, you know, I had to combat this idea of, like, oh, Joe Iconis only works with his friends. That was everyone's thing. They would say that I was bringing my friends. And um, and they would they, everyone would always say that I went uh, to his, like, college buddies. Like, that was the thing, which was a joke. Because, like, I didn't go to college with any of these people. Like, I literally saw, like, I saw them, you know, like, on stages. And... Um, uh, and, and it was like, it was always from like an artistic place and like, yes, I'm friends with so many of these people, but it's, it was a friendship through art, you know? Um, so yeah, it's like a cool, it's a cool thing. Uh, it's something that I'm very proud of that it's, uh, it's been able to last as long as it, uh, as it has. And I also love that, like, you know, as, as much as the, the, this family is populated with, you know, sort of off the beaten, uh, path actors and people who, maybe aren't your typical musical theater performers. You know, I also have people like Annie Golden and, and, and you know, Betty Buckley in the last couple of years has done all, of my, all these shows for me. And, uh, and that's like my dream, you know, to have this like, this just like troop of misfits that <laughs> includes like people who are absolute legends, you know, that everybody knows and people who nobody knows and like, everyone in between, you know. 
I'm so glad you used that phrase because that's what I think of, but I frankly mm-hmm. never would have called them that because oh, yeah, they're so sure. extraordinarily talented. Yeah, but yeah. that's what I saw. And you fall in love with both you and, mm-hmm. and your crew, again, if you will, because they are so unique. And I remember the first concert I saw going like, wow, I, I don't know any of these people. Why is that? Because <laughs> yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me just about your writing process. Mm-hmm. Like, you do write a lot of things. You, you write music. You mm-hmm. write lyrics. You do write book at times. You've yeah. written the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about your process from idea first. Like, mm-hmm. where do you get your ideas, which mm-hmm. are pretty eclectic? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you sit down, and what's that process for writing a show? Um, yeah, it's sort of uh, it's sort of different for me. Uh, dependent on the, the 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 material or the the thing I'm writing, you know, it's like my, my process for writing a standalone song is different than when I'm I'm, I'm writing a, you know a book for a musical or even a, a song in a musical. But I tend to um, I tend to think a lot uh, before I ever put pen to paper. You know, I'm, I I obsess over things, right? And so I feel like um, any musical that I've done. Even if it's even if it's something that's adapted uh, from source material, it usually intersects with ideas that I've been fixating on for a really long time, you know. And uh, and so like something something like like be more chill, um, you know. When that came to me, uh, it was a that was a book that that my agent uh, at the time gave me uh, to read. Uh, but I had already, you know, for a while been excited about doing something that was like a, uh, a sort of naturalistic story that took a, 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 a huge sort of tonal shift at a certain point, like either a sci-fi or a horror thing. I had been really um, wanting to like explore some, uh, some, some heavy issues uh, in a light way. I had been wanting to write like a proper musical comedy. I had been... Uh, really obsessed with 70s and 80s uh, horror film scores, you know, so like all of these ideas have been kind of floating around and then um, they kind of congealed. And so um, when I when I finally like when I when I finally settle on something, when it's like all the, the ideas sort of come together, um, then uh, then I just, you know, I I'm a big outliner. And so like when I start uh, when I start a project, I, I outline fairly explicitly you know, and I do like, um, you know, play songs where I think they're going to go. And um, it's just a lot of like thinking and, and brainstorming with other people, just with myself. Uh, and it's so there's, I feel like there's so much that I, that goes into it before I ever actually start to write anything that by the time I really get in there to write, I tend to write uh, pretty quickly or it'll, you know, it'll sort of come in bursts. Um, just because I feel like, oh, I've been doing, you know, I've been, I've been like, you know, writing this thing in my head for whatever, a month or a year or, or six years, right? So like when it's fine, time to finally write it, it's like I have all of the, the sort of, you know, um, uh, uh, brunt work or whatever kind of done already. Um, yeah, and then my, my actual writing process is, is pretty messy. I'm not someone who has like a specific time of day. Uh, that that I, I write, you know, I um, I kind of I kind of write whenever uh, inspiration strikes, which usually means uh, I write when there's like a deadline, or I write when when um, whatever is gonna. I write to put out fires, essentially. You know, it's I feel like I'm I'm overextended enough where there's always gonna be at least three projects where if I don't write this thing, someone's gonna get really angry at me, and that's usually the thing that inspires me <laughs> to write. Um, but I, uh, when I'm, when I'm writing a, you know, a song or, 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 or scene stuff for that matter, I, uh, I write at, um, I'll, I'll usually start, uh, away from a piano and I'll usually have like an idea, like a hook or something in my head, usually good music implied. Then I'll go to the piano and write a little bit. Then I'll go away from the piano. I like to, uh, I like to write in public a lot. So I like to write at coffee shops or bars or anywhere where there's like, where there's action happening. I tend to not do well in like quiet rooms. I like to have like some distraction going on. Um, yeah. And it just, and it just kind of, it just kind of happens, but messy. How do you stay objective when you're doing all three elements? Mm-hmm. Do you have do you count on your director to bounce stuff off of, or are you just able to do it yourself? Like, what's that process like? 
I uh, I'm 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 super collaborative, uh, and I, I feel like everyone everyone is like I'm a great collaborator, um, but I think I actually am uh, because I've had so many projects where I've written all three myself, or enough where I've written all three myself. I when I'm writing, all I want to do is finish so I can get it in a room with other people. Like I I I I realize that I kind of dislike the writing like I kind of dislike the like blank page fill it up with something part of writing my favorite part of writing is when I can take a script and go into a room with a director who I love and with actors who I love and with a stage manager who I love and anyone who any human being who's in the room uh, I, I wanted I, I, I wanted not, it's not it goes beyond hearing feedback I like truly believe that that you know theater is is a collaborative art form, and I think that it, everyone's voice is is, uh, is has a place at the table. And so uh, for me, you know, I it's just a matter of getting something on the page, and then once I do, uh, I want to hear from everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean people who I uh, you know love and respect and jive with, you know, not like random random people on the street or or people who I don't think uh you know share a sensibility or whatever um yeah yeah it's that it's trying to like get something down so that I can immediately as quickly as possible I want to I want feedback of of other artists who I love so let's talk about be more chill specifically mm -hmm. so yeah. this was a commission originally is that right it was a commission yeah the idea came from uh my myself and and Joe Trace the book writer uh, we, um, you know, we knew it was something we wanted to do, and we had both been talking to Two River Theater in Jersey uh, about doing something, and um, they said, "Why don't we commission you to write this uh, Be More Chill thing? You want to write?" So you write it, you put it up there. Mm -hmm. When did you know it was something special that was resonating with an audience? Was it that first preview? Was it run through? Was it months later? It was. Uh... I would say as soon as we got it in front of an audience, even in even in a reading setting, uh, you know, it was it felt like oh this is a, this is this is a, a special one for sure. Um, and and as soon as we started performances at Two River, it felt like oh yeah, this is connecting in a real way to the people who are who are watching it. Um, uh, which you know it, it's it's crazy, but it's it's the way that it felt the way that it felt going into the premiere at Two River was not dissimilar to ways that it has felt on shows of mine in the past. You know, I've, I've had, uh, I've had quite a few experiences now where I've had a new musical and there's been a lot of momentum going into it. And a lot of people, you know, say things to me, uh, like, oh, this is the one, this is the one that's going to go from, you know, wherever, you know, we happen to be in Barrington Stage Company or Ars Nova or wherever and, like, you know, go to the fancy theater off Broadway and then go to Broadway because, uh, like, look how people are loving this. Everyone's loving it. And so, you know, it'd be more chill. That was sort of like the, you know, the third or fourth one kind of like that that I had had. And so it was exciting, but no, nothing about it felt like, oh, this is like an extraordinary example of this. It sort of felt like, oh, this, you know, we're, we're doing this again. Everyone likes this thing. and It's going really well. And people are crying at that song about the kid in the bathroom. And, um, and so it, it, it definitely was something that people were responding to. Um, and then, you know, we opened and we got a review that was not a great review. And it just all, uh, it was all over. Like, and it, you know, it was, uh, it was a very palpable um, you know, letting the air out of the situation uh, feeling that again had happened has happened to me pretty much every time I've, I've done uh, I've, I've done a new musical like that. Um, and so the thing the thing that that was the most notable about being more chill was that it felt it felt like the most disappointing. <laughs> you know, it's when when nothing was was going to happen uh, just because it felt. It, it was like it, it so clearly was connecting with people and it was just such a such a bummer because it felt like the the group of people was so right on and and um, and there had been it, it it felt like you know every there were so many hopes pinned on the show uh, that it was particularly disappointing when it became clear that nothing was gonna happen with it you know but then something 
did happen. But then something <laughs> did happen. Thanks, so, Internet. <laughs> yeah, so tell me about that and when mm-hmm. that happened. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's Well, it, it only happened because, uh, because the album was made. And the uh, Two River Theater, uh, like, bless them, bless them, bless them, uh, said when, you know, after the show opened and it was clear that nothing was going to happen with it, uh, they said, we really love this show and we are very proud of it and we want to make this album. We want to, you know, um, have a Two River Theater album and we want to preserve this thing. And, and so they, they paid for the album and we did the album uh, on uh, Ghostlight, who, uh, you know, Kurt has been very supportive of me my whole career. All my other albums are on Ghostlight. And we made it really soon after we closed and released it Halloween 2015. And, you know, people liked it, but it was the it was the amount of people who, you know, are going to like a cast album of a show that played for a month in New Jersey. Like it's it's that in that core group of, of theater fans. And so there was nothing, you know, again, extraordinary about people's responses to it initially. Uh, and there were the sort of responses that I was really used to getting, like, you know, people clearly connecting with the work, but a, a finite number of people. Um, and so when it you know, when, when it became clear that something else was going on was, uh, like spring of 2017. Two years later. Two years later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it just started in the form of, of getting notifications from, uh, Twitter and Instagram and, uh, to a lesser extent, Facebook of people, uh, people, um, you know, responding to, the album and in particular Michael in the bathroom and at first it sort of felt like oh cool people are like for some reason discovering um the songs in in be more chill and you know I I have a I have a a healthy culty fan base or up till up till then I had had one and uh and so it wasn't unusual that I was you know getting like a, a tweet from someone I didn't know uh you know about a song that I wrote but then it just sort of you know started increasing in frequency and then it was like, uh, you know, fan art, uh, which was something that was kind of new to me and my work. And then like more and more fan art. And then it was enough where it felt like something strange is happening. And so when it, you know, the, f- the first few weeks of, of all this going down, I, you know, contacted George Salazar, uh, who's a good friend of mine. And, you know, we've been working together before Beamer Chill and since Beamer Chill. And I was like, are you, are you are you doing something with Michael in the bathroom? Is something going on? And he was like, no, I've been noticing all this stuff. I thought you were doing something. And then, you know, I spoke to Joe Trace, the book writer. And I was like, are you, like, you know, is something going on with, with, with the show that I don't know about? And he was like, no, I was going to see the same thing. And so it was sort of all of us literally, like, not understanding why people were all of a sudden, you know, catching on to the show. And then uh, it became really apparent that it was something that was more than just... Uh, a few people discovering it it felt like oh this is like a a thing that's happening and it's like a um you know it's like just such a silly word to say but it's like a viral thing you know and it was like really it was really happening and so then you know i i involved ghostlight and at first ghostlight was just sort of like what like you know it's like good you know some people are tweeting about it good for you and then, yeah, of course, like people started buying the album, which is something that just, they, you know, people just don't do. People don't buy albums, and people certainly don't buy musical theater albums. And so then, you know, Ghostlight was like, wait a minute, what's going on with Beamer Chill? What is this? It's like, I don't know. No one knows, man. And so um, then, you know, uh, Ghostlight made this Michael in the Bathroom music video uh, when all this was first starting, and um, that music video started taking off. And then over the course of last summer, just the numbers associated with everything to do with the show just started growing and growing and growing. Uh, really, really extraordinary numbers um, for a for an album of a show that had never played New York City um, and that had played New Jersey two plus years ago. Um, uh, yeah, and so it just kind of built from there. It's pretty wild. And it, all of a sudden something is happening it goes off broadway it sells out in like an instant yeah, yeah. Uh, and now you'll open on broadway in the spring yeah so how does that make you feel says the <laughs> podcast uh, host slash therapist like what are you mm-hmm. excited are you like oh here we go again like it's, what no i am i am so excited uh and like truly in disbelief you know i've 
I have wanted to have a show that I care about on Broadway as long as I've been in the world of of musical theater and longer. You know, that has like my that has been my dream. When someone's like, What's your dream? The you know, the like the politically correct answer is always like, I want my work to be seen by as many people as humanly possible, which is the truth. 100%. But like my dream dream is to have a show on Broadway because I love the idea of Broadway. I think it's so cool. I love that huge shows can exist next to little shows. And I, I think there's real worth in it. And I've always loved the idea of having a show that I that I cared about. You know, and I always thought like, I would, I would not, I would certainly not, you know, uh, if I if I if I made it to Broadway as a writer of a show that I felt weird about or you know some like maybe less than ideal situation for what my ideals are, um, I wouldn't like kick that out of bed. But the you know the the fantasy version was always going to Broadway with a show that I really cared about that I thought was really good and that was representative of me as a as an artist and a human being. And like the uh, you know triple fantasy version of that was getting to do it with artists who I loved and respected and who I um, you know really believed in and had a relationship with and uh, the fact that that's happening is really unbelievable and uh, the fact that it has happened the way it has happened is just something I mean I, I could never have like um, I could never have imagined it because it didn't exist you know so it's um, it just is so it's so bizarre and it really has given me it's given me um, like a lot of faith you know it, I, 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 I had had so many disappointments not artistic disappointments I've been really lucky to have like great artistic um, uh, experiences in my life and I've, I'm very lucky and I've had a lot of opportunities but I really have experienced you know these huge sort of crushing disappointments so many times and I really believe there was a certain way that you had to get to where I wanted to get to with the sort of stuff that I was writing. You know, I've always felt like I, you know, I'm, I'm writing these musicals, whether they're based on properties or not, that are a little bit left of center and um, and need certain things in order to get to Broadway. And uh, you know, Be More Chill is a musical that you know it's not based on a big movie and. And there was no famous person in it, and it wasn't written by famous people, and there wasn't like you know like one of like there wasn't like a titan you know producer who was shepherded along the way from the beginning, and and um, and so I felt like you know it it didn't it didn't check a lot of boxes that needed to be checked to get to Broadway, and uh, the fact that we were able to get there is uh, it just makes me feel like oh wow there actually is another way of doing things like there just is and even if we you know even if we don't like make it for very long on Broadway we like we got there and the fact that we got there I truly think is uh, like worth a damn you know yeah I 100% agree it's really extraordinary and I just love the fact about that you're getting there the way you want to get there as opposed to frankly writing the score to Who Framed Roger Rabbit or totally. Mannequin the Musical or totally. whatever someone would hire you Mannequin to do. the Musical I know I would do I would choose Mannequin 2 if I had to musicalize one of the movies in the of Mannequin course franchise would. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just so edgy in that it's, way so what happens now with the show is you're mm-hmm. like oh yeah great we did it we did it off Broadway I'm just gonna hang out until it goes to Broadway or are you rolling up your sleeves are you doing more work what what happens I mean my sleeves are literally rolled up right now <laughs> they so, are I yeah. see that uh, no, I mean definitely, definitely doing more work. Like I've, 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 I've worked very, very hard to get to this place, and the work continues. And I, I do not want to feel like I uh, let this moment in my career slip by without doing as much as humanly possible from an artistic place and from a professional place. And so we're definitely going to be doing some work on the show. From off Broadway to Broadway, not changing it in a way that's like Broadwayifying it, which is so funny. Like so many people have asked me, um, "Oh, what is the Broadway version of this moment or this moment?" And it's like it's the the off Broadway version, but in a different theater. You know, it's like at the end it's the off Broadway version with with um, you know uh, uh, more uh, uh, more dynamic pricing. Like it's it's, it's the same the same thing, the well, same you idea. Have, you have that interesting. You know, look, social media has been such the reason why things mm-hmm. have propelled like it has. Well, if you were to quote unquote Broadwayize it, you could have the reverse effect, right? You could have all these fans. Oh yeah, can you imagine if the if the fans revolted? If the Be More Chill fans revolted, like that would just be. It, I think Broadway would just be gone. 
Like they would just be running rampant like lunatics through Times Square because we had, you know, r- like ruined this this sacred, you know, uh, ramshackle musical. Um, but yeah, you know, but also like that's what's been so funny and specific about the whole fan base thing is that as much as the the fan base got the show to got you know people the people who need to get interested in in a, in a, in a show interested um, so that it ended up on a stage it's all, it was a lot of pressure and it was something that I've never experienced as a writer when revisiting something any sort of rewriting and we did quite a bit of rewriting on Be More Chill um, for the signature. Uh, anything that I did, I had, you know, this voice in the back of my head or the front of my head saying like, oh, millions of kids are going to be so pissed off that you just changed that word <laughs> that, you know, it's like there there are fans who know every single syllable of that cast album. And I was very aware that anytime I changed something, it it was going to be notable. And I I believed that you know, the people who responded to Be More Chill in the first place responded to, you know, my voice and Joe Trace's voice. And those voices, I think, are the same as they were in 2015. But, you know, I'd like to think that we're better writers than we were in 2015. And so I, I believe that they would, you know, go with us no matter what we did. Uh, but it was like, it was, it was, it was scary. And there was, you know, there was like, there's this one song that I never, I never thought that we got right. It's your river. And it was one of those moments where you know, you're developing a new musical, and I feel like at a certain point you just have to put the pause button on. You don't like, you don't like, you know, crack it. It's just like, well, this is what it is, and we run out of time, and so this is what it is for now. Uh, there was this one one song that I always was like, we never got that right, and it always made me cringe at your river, and I always felt like, oh, if I'm if I'm given the opportunity uh, to to do something else with would be more chill. That's like one of the like the no brainer thing. I'm gonna like do some work in the song. Clearly needs work, and uh, we had this like you know box office opening event for be more chill before we went into rehearsals and anything. And uh, a lot of you know fans came, and so I got to like you know interact with people and fans of the show. And uh, and so the song in question is the song called the Pitiful Children. And this uh, this this woman came up to me and she was like so excited about the show and like so passionate and telling me how much the show means to her and uh, and she like she took me by the shoulders and she looked in my eyes and she said uh, just promise me one thing promise me you're not gonna touch the pitiful children <laughs> oh <laughs> like, my god literally gosh. said it. What did you say? And I like I like, stammered, and I think I guess I lied to her, and I was like, or I just gave, I gave some like politician answer where I was like, we're going to try with the best of our abilities to maintain the integrity of the be more chill that you know and love, while also making it the best theatrical experience it can be. But it was so heart stopping, and I've literally thought about her all the time, and I am so uh, I am so terrified for her to see the show. And maybe she's seen it. I don't know. Maybe there's like hate mail waiting for me at the signature. But um, yeah, but it's that kind of thing. And I just like every moment I rewrote, I was like, oh man, are people gonna, are the people who like built this thing up gonna then just revolt against it and like tear it down because of my poor rhyme or something? But having watched a bunch of those fans, literally I've seen them in, in merch, like walking up 8th Avenue no. coming from the show. I think, <laughs> I think they're fine. <laughs> yeah, no, they've been very kind. Uh, so, look, we were talking before we uh, hit record here about how you're suddenly this overnight sensation. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about you, but you've been you know, banging on doors for a long time and doing this. Yeah, yeah. What's your advice to other writers out there who are just starting, just getting out of college that would love for one of one song, never mind a whole musical, to go as viral as, as yours did? What would you tell them to do? Um, I would tell them to... Uh... I, all of my advice has has become very cheesy these days, but just like, but like, believe, believe that you that you can do it. I am someone who would not have thought that what happened to my show was possible, and I one hundred percent did not try to make that happen. Uh, I just tried to make the best show I possibly could, and so that is that's definitely something I would say to anyone: just try to make good work. Don't try to think about like how how you can make this thing uh, that you're working on you know go viral or how you can make it like you know do whatever just like focus on good work and I think if it if it connects with people it's going to connect with people but it has nothing it has nothing to do with the the making of it you know it's like I think all you can do is try to be honest and and truthful um, and just believe and just keep 
keep going, you know, because it's not, and all I, all I know is like my own experience, but it's, um, it's, I, I, where I am right now is not where I thought I would be certainly a year ago. Um, and it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like, I think that there's the, the world is changing and there's, there's new ways of doing things and it, there will only, there will only ever be new ways of doing things. So just, you know, believe that. So my last question, which is my genie question, Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine the genie from Aladdin comes to visit you and uh, wants to congratulate you Mm -hmm. on believing in the genie and and all other things Uh, by granting you one wish. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, things are going very well for you right now, but Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine that you're, what upsets you the most about Broadway? What gets you frustrated? (laughs) What has you banging your head against the wall that you would ask this genie to wish away? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About Broadway specifically. It can be about theater in general. Well, you, you like to draw outside the lines. We'll let you do the same <laughs> with the question if it so inspires you. Um, I, oh man, this is so hard. A new rule, you can't say ticket prices. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I wouldn't say ticket prices. That's uh, yeah. I don't know. I want to say a good a good thing. Uh, I think that if I could ask a genie to wish away one thing about the current state of theater, uh, I um, the close mindedness. Uh, I just think that everything everything is better if uh, people. If people have an open, an open mind to new ways of of doing things, uh, which is a which is a messy, potentially confusing thing to say to a genie, but uh, I believe it. You know, I know like the the successes that I've had are because people have taken a chance on me, because people have taken a chance on the folks that I've you know surrounded myself with, the Jennifer Ashley Teppers of the world, and. And people who are visionaries and um, yeah, just make make space for the visionaries. Oh man, the genie would be like, so what's your wish? <laughs> no, it's it's a good <laughs> one, uh, and a shout out to to Jennifer for sure, who used to work for me <laughs> yeah. as well. I, I just yeah, love yeah. it. She's been talking about you for a long time. Uh, so you're right. Everyone out there has to make room for for people like you, even before their shows go viral. Yeah. So I think it's a wonderful wish. Joe. Okay. All right. Thanks. Uh, and frankly, it's educational for me too. I'm gonna. I gotta try to do the same thing here. Where I say. <laughs> uh, so thanks for that. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to all of you for listening. And go see Be More Chill when it opens. It's one of the most exciting things to happen to Broadway in a long time. We'll see you there, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.